0: When faith-based organizations and leaders put the kingdom of God above their organization's mission, what happens? What is possible when women and men pursue collaboration over competition and alliances over divisions? This is the Rooting for Rivals podcast, a six-episode series released in coordination with the new book, Rooting for Rivals, by Peter Greer and Chris Horst with Jill Heisey. Welcome to episode six of the Rooting for Rivals podcast, the final episode in a short series highlighting leaders pursuing collaboration over competition. In this episode, we look at open-handedness and global ministries through the perspective of Alex Nunez and Esperanza International. Esperanza uses a comprehensive approach to poverty alleviation. Through access to capital, along with preventative health care and education, they're equipping entrepreneurs in the Dominican Republic with the financial and holistic services needed to restore hope and dignity. They have made an intentional choice to establish alliances with local churches of different denominations, with other NGOs, and with people who might traditionally be defined as competitors. As you'll hear in this conversation, Alex's commitment to open-handedness is multiplying impact in the Dominican Republic. But before we get into this final interview with Alex Nunez, the co-authors of Rooting for Rivals are with me once again, Peter Greer and Chris Horst. Peter, will you share a little bit more about Alex and her background?
1: Shortly after I joined Hope International, uh, the board um, gave the mandate to take the model that had been successful in Ukraine and to try and figure out if there was a way of replicating it around the world. And uh, due to a project that I did in graduate school, I had known about Esperanza, and uh, that was when we started our official partnership with them. And the thought behind that was, why in the world would we start a new organization if there already is an organization that exists, that has that same heart, that has that same mission. And so that happened in 2005, and we have been so privileged to walk alongside our friends at Esperanza since then. And when I think about partnership and collaboration, I think of Esperanza. Um, Alex at one point shared that, uh, you know, they, they could have continued to do this work on their own, um, but it has been such a joy to do this work together and uh, alex is a leader who models collaboration she's a leader whose faith in jesus changes the way that she interacts with other organizations and i am so thankful to count alex as a partner in this work to count alex as a friend and i know that her words are going to be inspiring to all of us
0: well prior to working at esperanza alex nunez worked in a major government defense company for 11 years. She began serving in Esperanza in March 2012 as the Vice President of Public Affairs and Caribbean Investment and Executive Director prior to taking on her new role as CEO in January of 2018. Alex received her MBA from Bellhaven College, a degree from Eastern Mennonite University, and graduated from the LifeWork Leadership Program in 2012. Without further ado, here is Alex Nunez. Well, Alex, over 40% of people in the Dominican Republic live below the poverty line. How is Esperanza serving the underserved in your country?
2: Well, Blake, Esperanza is a Christ-centered microfinance organization, and one of the the parts of our model is that we just are not microfinance. We call our model to be plus, which means that people need a lot more than just money. And the fact that we define poverty to be very complicated and multifaceted, we understand that people not only need capital to start a business, but need other services such as education and health services. But more importantly to us, is the fact that they need to know that God loves them and that Jesus came so they can have life in abundance. So in in Dominican Republic, the the way that we serve that 40% or that targeted group that are excluded from the financial sector is that we provide small business loans to entrepreneurs that either trying to start a business or grow their business. Now in Dominican Republic, microfinancing is not a new concept and it is actually a very saturated market. However, other entities are not looking to serve those who want to be providing small or trying to get small business loans or looking for individuals that either want a loan that's $1,000 or $2,000. And so our average loan is about $312. And normally those are six-month loans that are paid back over their six months. And so... We provide those small business loans. In addition to that, we provide financial or business literacy. We'll provide them with access to be get, to have cervical cancer screenings. And throughout each one of these services, we share the gospel. So if you're learning on how to run your business, you're going to learn business from a biblical perspective. If you're learning about health, we're going to teach you the importance of taking care of your body because God gave you a body for you to glorify Him, and if you're going to have your business, we're going to teach you on how to execute it in a way that is glorifying to God. And so there are different mechanisms that we serve that 40% in Dominican Republic.
0: Hmm. And and so much of the way that you operate is done with excellence and is done with a bias towards partnership and towards collaboration. Why why is partnership important to what you do at Esperanza?
2: That's a good question. Well, we believe in partnership because it's not really man-made idea. It's a it's a biblical concept. When you look at the Trinity, the Trinity is in partnership. When you look at Jesus and his disciples, they're in partnership. When you look at the New Testament church on how they used to get together to resolve to solve a problem, it was in partnership. And so God works in community to bring salvation, and God works in community to bring transformation to the world. And that's why we believe in partnership.
0: And you, uh, you work in a country that has a lot of NGOs, a lot of organizations working there. Even you mentioned the microfinance market. There's a lot of microfinance institutions. So when it comes to development in a country, especially a country like the Dominican Republic, how does staying in silos prevent the alleviation of poverty that you and so many others are after?
2: Well, when everybody starts to attack a situation, everyone's attacking it in their way of thinking or their way of uh, believing the best way to alleviate poverty. And the the concern with that is, specifically in microfinancing, there's a concentration of efforts just in certain areas. So, So, for example... All the microfinance organizations in Dominican Republic are mostly concentrated in the cities. But statistically speaking, not only in Dominican Republic, but in the world, a lot of poverty is actually in the, in the rural areas. With so many NGOs in Dominican Republic, most of them, which are actually based outside, you know, based in the United States, there's focuses on poverty. As I mentioned earlier. Poverty is a very complex issue, and I think anybody who says that there's one way of attacking poverty is looking at it very simplistically, but most NGOs, they look at it from an educational perspective. They look at it only from a health perspective. They only look at it from an economical perspective. They look at it from a political perspective, and what happens is you get a lot of organizations, you get a lot of folks focusing their efforts in only their way of attacking poverty versus coming around the table and saying, How can we attack poverty or how can we look at poverty from our different efforts, but looking at how we consolidate those efforts so we can actually see uh, an impact globally or at least in the country?
0: Yeah, and you have to work across so many denominational lines in your work, and in every aspect of your work, have to pursue a spirit of collaboration for it to work. I mean, loan repayment groups are taking place in local churches all across the country uh, in all different denominations and different types of worship styles and all of that. So um, first of all, maybe you can define what a loan repayment group is and then uh, answer the question how you pursue unity across different theological persuasions that interact with Esperanza.
2: That's also a very complex. When you start getting into crossing denominational lines, it always becomes a very complex issue, and unfortunately, has been an area of division for the global church. So let's talk about loan repayment groups. Loan repayment groups are where a group of people, and it could be from 15 to 40 people, come together where they're united you know, the united front is we all need capital for our business. And so loan repayment groups are these groups of 15 to 40 people that are divided in smaller subgroups of five. And those small groups say, you know, us five want to take a loan out. So let's say the loan is a thousand dollars between us five. They each take $200 and they, they actually walk together in a six-month process of repaying that $1,000 loan back together. And so that small group of five, is a it's a smaller subset of the larger group being at 15 people, being at uh, 30 people or 40 people, that they will walk together a whole loan cycle. And so if for some reason of uh, someone in my group of five is missing their payment, the other four of us pay it back. And so... That is what a loan repayment group is. Um, Now, looking at across denominational lines, one way that we look at it in in Esperanza, or the way that I personally see it, is that there's a difference between what we call spine issues and rib issues. Spine issues are things that you can't live without. So for us in in Esperanza, we look at Jesus Christ. We look at God the Father. We look at the Holy Spirit, and we look at the Bible um, those are spine things. Those are things we don't negotiate. And then there's rib issues like, should we use instruments for worship? Should we just worship on Saturday? Should women be in leadership? And there's all these different things that has divided the, the big C church. And we, what we do in Espinanza is we focus on the spine issues. We ensure that that Jesus is the reason why we're there, that we're sharing the hope of Christ and everything that we do. And so when we have differences, if we should worship with a tambourine or not, or if we should be lifting our hands or not, we kind of leave those discussions on the side. And we focus all our conversations about Jesus and the fact that he came to save us and he came to to give us a new hope and a new future. Mm And
0: I wonder if you wouldn't mind sharing a story, uh, a case study of sorts of how your posture of open-handedness, whether that be with churches or otherwise, has directly benefited an Esperanza associate.
2: So I'll, I'll give two examples. I'll start with one in the area of health services. So as part of our plus services that we provide to our associates is in the area of health. And so we have a great partnership with an organization called Smiles for Life. It's an association out of the United States where dentists come around and they do these service projects in other countries. And one of the countries that they serve in Smiles for Life is through Dominican Re- in Dominican Republic through Espinance International. And so what they do is twice a year they come down and they partner with our team and uh, we go out to communities that don't have access to dental uh, services. And so our associates get high-quality dental services, uh, not only preventative, not only cleanings, but from extractions to, imagine an associate who doesn't have any teeth and by the time they finish at our outreach has a beautiful smile. And so this has been a lovely, beautiful partnership because guess what? We are not dental experts. We don't know about teeth. But we partner with an organization that, they are amazing at what they do, and they have access to the people we serve. And together, we're able to provide beautiful results and services to the people we serve. Um- Uh, Other partnerships would be locally, just as we go out to communities and we meet with pastors that are looking uh, for ways to serve their community outside the four walls of their congregation. What happens is a lot of people in communities have needs. They could be not only spiritual needs, but they could be economical needs or they can be health-related needs. And this church, local church doesn't necessarily have access to those individuals because those individuals... Are not wanting to go to that congregation for for whatever reason. They've had a bad experience. They don't know what that's about. It may be guilt or shame or for any other reasons. And so we partner with the local churches to say, what are the needs in your community, and how can um, we with our services bring bring microfinancing or bring the complimentary services. And you partner with us to share the gospel in our meetings. And so we'll go out to a community, we'll we'll do a, a survey, and we'll see, wow, there's a whole bunch of businesses here. They're being serviced, but they're being serviced by loan sharks. They're not being serviced by a financial institution. And we'll meet with the local leaders and say, do you have a heart for the community? And if we start serving in this community, are you willing to come out to our meetings twice a month to share the gospel? And so I believe that has been... One of the greatest partnerships we have locally, because guess what? We're not, we go out twice a week to that community, twice a month, I mean, but guess who's there every day? Those leaders, those pastors, and they're able to be able to serve the needs of those associates when we're not there every day. And so I think that's a beautiful way of not looking at, uh, well, this is our community and we want to serve them in our way saying, hey, we can serve them in these services. You can serve them with this care. How can we come together to provide them with the best attention possible?
0: It sounds like partnership in in these instances that you've talked about is just obviously a beautiful thing, but I'm sure you can attest to the fact that it's not always easy, that partnership can be challenging. So how how do you stay motivated to keep pursuing collaboration even when it's tricky?
2: I really think it's... It's extremely difficult to do partnerships when your focus is on your little K kingdom. And if I'm focused on how to build my little kingdom, how to build it in my way, and it's very, very self-driven or motivated to the bottom line, I think partnership really, for me, outside of having godly values is very difficult because we all lean on to how can we have our best interests in mind. But I think when we approach partnership as we've seen it in the Bible, understanding that this is not, uh, these are not our resources. These are not our people. These are not, it's not our mission, but looking at God's mission and his heart for the world. And as we understand that his, the resources are his and everyone that you know, the team that we serve are his, the associates we serve are his, you come with a different mentality to partnership. You're looking to serve, not be served. You're looking to be last, not first. You're looking to how can God be glorified in all we do instead of how can I win points with other partners? How can I win points with donors? How can I win points with myself? And so I think Partnership isn't easy, but I think what's gonna be very important important in partnership is understanding what values drive you, what motivations drive you, and what you ultimately want to accomplish together versus what I want to get out of it. And so I think partnerships need to be a win-win where no one so no one's mission is being compromised, but we actually become stronger as we work together.
0: That's good. And you Obviously, the leader of Esperanza, and I'm curious what you've done, what practices you've put in place to cultivate this same culture of collaboration among your staff. Because it's one thing as a leader to say it, but all the way down to through all of your staff members, how are you helping grow a culture of collaboration within your staff?
2: Well, I think because Esperanza is a a little bit of a unique animal in the sense that our founder is from the United States came down to Dominican Republic saw the need and initiated Esperanza in 1995 it already it, our Esperanza started in partnership it started in partnership with someone's heart in the United States for the needs in Dominican Republic and so since we are an uh, you know organization that has has hands in two countries our whole culture was based on that kind of that kind of partnership. But I think some of the attitudes or some of the practices that are very important, as mentioned in the last response, alignment to our hearts, to the mission of uh, having a kingdom focus, the importance of understanding that, that we need to serve others and love others more like as we love ourselves, having a sense of humility and grace, understanding that We're not perfect, that things are going to get lost not only in translation, but things are going to get lost sometimes in our communication. But again, the importance of having effective communication, ensuring that from the beginning of a partnership, we are clear on what our values are. We are clear on what we want to achieve and our willingness to serve each other and our willingness to come to the table when we have disagreements or conflict. And understanding the importance of having a long-run view versus on what can I can I gain now? I, I really describe partnerships like a marriage, and you have to be willing to serve each other, be willing to love each other, be willing to forgive each other often, and understand that our intentions are good, even though we may step on each other from time to time, But our desire to serve God first and then serve each other.
0: Hmm. What are what are some of the some of the rituals that your team has in place that you regularly do together just to? to keep your focus on the kingdom, whether that be Bible study or prayer or, or just what does that look like for your team?
2: So every morning we have, we have a daily meeting in Esperanza. We start every day in prayer. So every, every morning, as we start off our day, we start our focus, uh, like what we see in Matthew six thirty three: seek first the kingdom God and his righteousness. And so we seek God first in prayer. Every week in staff meetings. So any rhythm we have in regarding to staff meetings, daily meetings, monthly meetings, bi-weekly meetings, we start it in prayer and putting God first. The other the other rhythm that we have is we also celebrate God's goodness. And so as we after we have time of praying, we share what are the victories that God has has provided through the organization, either someone coming to know the hope of Christ, which is always uh A reason to celebrate together, but it could be, you know, being able to achieve a goal that day, being able to do, to be able to share the gospel with someone. There are so many reasons to be grateful and thankful. And so we, that is part of our daily rhythm. Another thing we do is every week we share a devotional and reflection of the word so we can continue posturing our heart in the direction of Jesus and making sure that our lives are a reflection of his love in us. And so every year we spend some time outside of work in what we call a spiritual retreat. And we come together for a couple of days and we, we share the word together. We pray together. We seek God together. We listen together. And those, those, these rhythms help us. These spiritual disciplines help us keep our eyes on the giver, not the gift. Keep our eyes on he who we serve and not the work that we're doing for him who we serve. Hmm.
0: And the last question for you, Alex, is about uh, a rival organization. So can you tell our audience about a rival organization that you support and why?
2: Well, we have an interesting dynamic in the DR Microfinance Network. We actually get together every month, um, and we have discussions about what's going on in the market. We have discussions about... How can we better serve the market? And we attempt to keep our eyes on the big picture, which is poverty alleviation. But that sometimes is difficult, especially when the microfinance market is divided between banks, credit unions, and NGOs, because each one has different motivations. You know, for banks, they have stakeholders that need to continue pleasing, and credit unions, they They have to share the benefits among all their associates. And NGOs, you have a a, a social focus. But there's been conversations where a rival organization will call and say, hey, you guys do group blending very well. Would you be willing to share on how you do that and how to be successful? And we say, yes, this is what we do, and this is why we do it. Or a rival organization will call and say, hey, we saw that you implemented this new software And you did it really successfully. Can you tell me how you did it and how can we best approach it? And we do that. And so I don't give you the name of one organization. We've had that conversation with several. And the idea is that if we ultimately want to see poverty alleviation in in Dominican Republic, we want to be able to share with organizations that are doing it. They may not doing it the way that we do it, but they are offering products and services that can help support uh, clients in their, in their, in their base that they're serving. And so it's been beautiful because at the same time, there's been needs that Esperanta has, and we pick up the phone, call rival organizations and, and we've, and they've served us. And it's because we have this beautiful relationship of sharing openly and, and understanding that there's a bigger, there's a bigger picture thing that we want to achieve here.
0: Well, Peter and Chris, what are some of the key takeaways from this conversation with Alex Nunez?
3: Alex said it's extremely difficult to do partnerships when you're focused on the little K kingdom. And that kingdom lens really, it bled through her whole, uh, all of what she shared. And, And when I've observed Alex over the years, that's one of the things that's really impressed me about the way in which she leads is she leads from a posture of recognizing her role in the big K kingdom and God's kingdom. And we pray it, you know, hopefully every week in the Lord's prayer. Uh, but we, we pray that God's kingdom would come and that the God's, that the God's kingdom would show up on earth as it is in heaven. And Esperanza and Alex really modeled that of recognizing their own limitations and recognizing the importance of linking arms with their peers. I've, I've been to the Dominican Republic many times and have visited Esperanza. And One of the areas I've seen them grow in this way is how committed they are to working alongside the local church. And not viewing the church as an impediment to fulfilling their mission or the local church as an obstacle, which is sometimes the case with parachurch ministries. But, but really seeing the church as integral and vital to their ministry as, as they serve uh, the kingdom. And, and today, I believe right now, the percentages that are over 75% of all of their community bank meetings are happening in local churches. Pastors are showing up again at 75% of all of these meetings of, of these clients. And there's an opportunity there for the church to be blessed and to, to open up its doors to vulnerable people in its community. But, but the blessing goes both ways because it's an encouragement too to the clients and the
1: members of those groups. Yeah. And I think part of that comes out of her posture, which is uh, how can we best serve the individuals in the Dominican Republic? And uh, recognizing that, that the programmatic aspect of microfinance, that is one way of assistance, that is one tool, but then also recognizing that they can do more uh, by having other organizational partnerships. And so it's not just the example that she talked about, about uh, the dentist uh, and the way that they come in and provide uh, relief and support uh, for their associates. But there's so many other partnerships with, with health clinics uh, for the screenings, uh, with with churches, with outreach programs. And I love that her posture is not what is going to be best for Esperanza, But our posture is what is going to be best for the people that we serve, and then to creatively reach out and say, we don't have to be an expert in everything, but let's reach out, let's join hands, let's figure how we can use our network, our resources, what we have in our hands to provide even more value-added services to these individuals. And I think if we all have that sort of a posture of saying not what's best for the logo on our business card. Uh, But what's going to provide the most meaningful way of caring for the people that we want to serve? I think that we will see more partnerships. We'll see less replication. We'll see more collaboration. And I think the result of that is better services uh, and more of these types of examples that we can do more together than we could possibly do alone. And we've experienced this at Hope with Esperanza. I mean,
3: they're Are so many ways that the Hope International Network is blessed and benefits from Esperanza's role in in our network. And you know, out of the gates, they said when we kind of launched this partnership with Esperanza, they said we want to be about contributing and helping other microfinance, Christ Center microfinance organizations around the world. And not, we don't want to just be focused on what's happening in our neighborhood while that's important. Uh, but we want to be about what God's doing all around the world. And so they joined the Hope Network and are so open-handed to, to hope. And and the, the relationship there is one that is a, a really mutually life-giving relationship where they're hosting visitors that we're bringing to see microfinance in action. They're hosting microfinance leaders from other countries operatings in the Hope network to go and see how they're doing in operating the model there. And and vice versa. They're they're going traveling to places. Their leaders are visiting the Philippines and other countries where Hope's operating or one of our partners is operating and bringing what they've experienced and offering it open handed to, to those working across the globe. And and so it's it's not just within the Dominican Republic that we're seeing that sort of open-handed generosity. Uh, with Esperanza and with Alex, but we're seeing that extend in, in the way the institution itself positions itself in the larger kingdom.
0: Thank you for listening to the Rooting for Rivals podcast. Rooting for Rivals is a book by Peter Greer and Chris Horst with Jill Heise that reveals how faith-based ministries can multiply their impact by cooperating rather than competing with others. You can get the book anywhere books are sold. For more information about this episode, including links to resources mentioned in the show, visit www.rootingforrivals.com podcast.